Force O'Neill, thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 430 now of the Ron and Don Show. And heck yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Uh, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, uh, news research says uh, maybe a bigger paycheck? Uh, hell no. How about a bigger vacation and what some people perceive to be a better life? Less cash. More experiences, more freedom. It seems to be the way that some of us are moving after COVID. So I want to get Ron's thoughts on that. Also, Netflix to its text this week saying, hey, shut the hell up. And oh, by the way, we just lost a million subscribers, but Netflix is promising to be back. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. I don't, I don't. Like, like if you listen to this show, you listen to us on, on terrestrial radio, you probably know when it comes to politics. I think we're pretty fair. I, I think for someone like me, I'm probably more independent than I am Republican or Democrat. People call me a libtard. People call me lots of different things. But really, I think I'm like the majority of us, where as I've gotten older, fiscal responsibility that the Republicans talk about is really important to me. I want to know where my tax dollars are going. I want to know how they're being spent. I want to know why I continue to work my ass off and do four different jobs and four different businesses and raise a son through COVID. Why I watch other people say, I can't go to work during COVID. And then they take those government checks and I see some of my same friends or acquaintances, not really my friends, on the beaches of Mexico, right? Couldn't go to work because I got COVID, but you could take that government check and go on a trip. So nonetheless, uh, I think this is, I think this is kind of interesting. Uh, we, we heard this week, and by the time you've heard this, this, this story will have developed. And in fact, tonight we're recording this on a Thursday. And they're going to have the final eighth uh, episode of the January 6th primetime committee. And it has been primetime entertainment, you guys. You, ha- you have to admit, wh- whether you're a Biden person, a Trump person, or somewhere in the middle, you don't like any of those people, uh, the, the committee has produced some pretty compelling stories and some pretty compelling characters that we never knew of have stepped forward. And even when you're watching what's happening with Steve Bannon this week, this, this is what I don't understand. When, when, when on January 6th, the secret service is saying, oops, lost the text messages. Can't find the text messages. We have no way of reviving the text messages. The reason why we lost the text messages is because, well, we were going over to another service using different devices, and so we lost everything, which makes no sense to me in an age where you have the iCloud and and think about what they have access to. They probably have access to things that we never even heard of, that we don't even know about. And, And then there's this little leak, and I don't know if this is true or not. We'll find out in the coming days that maybe on some of these text messages, we're going to find out these Secret Service agents while the January 6th Capitol riot was going on and people were being killed, uh, they were goofing off. They were, they were, there was word that, that maybe in these text messages, they were goofing around. Uh, 
Uh, there's word that maybe some of them were talking about affairs they were having and infidelity. Why all this was happening on January 6th. So isn't it interesting that all of a sudden these text messages disappear and they're saying they can't provide them? Because they were supposed to provide them so that that this could be shared with the American people in the world tonight uh, on this eighth edition and this eighth episode. Ron and I had interaction with the Secret Service a number of years ago. Tell the people, Ron, what our interaction with the Secret Service was like when Jimmy Carter was coming to our studio to visit, how professional they were, how thorough they were. And after you hear this story, I think it's going to be very hard for any of us to believe that, oops, they just lost some text messages because that's how they bust a lot of people around the world uh, that are thinking about doing nefarious things, specifically against the president and other important politicians. Uh, they have access to things, again, that we don't even know about. What was your impression of, of the Secret Service when we had our interaction with them, when Jimmy Carter was coming to our studios when we worked in Terrestrial Radio? Yeah, well, I mean, my, my first impression was uh, uh, a bad one in this regard. I got to work that day, and there was a guy in a suit standing by my cubicle, and I had no idea who it was. There was no, nobody notified me of it. I didn't have any appointment on my calendar. Uh, I, I didn't recognize this person. That wasn't the day that Jimmy Carter was that coming That was not in. the day that Jimmy Carter yeah, was coming in. This was, right. this was a couple weeks before, before or yeah. a month before. Yeah. And so I get there and he basically, his opener was, I don't even know if he said his name or identified himself. He just said, I need your, your name and social security number. And I looked at him and again, this guy in a, in a suit just standing there at my cubicle. And I said, yeah, and I need your mother's maiden name. And he did not laugh at all, pulled out a badge uh, out of his breast pocket and said, I'm with the Secret Service. Let me ask you again. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't realize who you were. Like, I backpedaled and and apologized uh, and tried to joke with him a little bit and was like, hey, do you guys really talk into your sleeve and this sort of thing? He was not having it. (laughs) Uh, he did not think I was funny. They really do he, talk in their sleeve. He, uh, they do talk in their sleeve. And so I, I gave him my information. Uh, he then explained, he goes, he was sort of a little bit apologetic afterwards. He's like, I thought that you knew that I was coming and we were doing a background check on you because uh, President Jimmy Carter is going to be here in person. And so I gave him my name and social. Uh, they ran. I, I was actually kind of surprised that I did made the background check. Like, not I that was, I have I, a, I was too. Not that I have an arrest record or anything, but like, yeah. uh, I've never been arrested. But I just thought, yeah, I'm sure there's, you know, we have a, a large, I don't know. I, I was just like, okay, cool. I, I, I made it through whatever screening process they have. Uh, but then on the day that he was and there. I have to say, I've been in handcuffs, but boy, my experience was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, when they got there, completely buttoned up. There used to be a Mexican restaurant across the street from uh, our studios. They had snipers positioned uh, on buildings across not the street. This is, so, this is when Jimmy Carter was there. So let's let's not conflate those. And my experience was different because I got an email. It said this gentleman was coming in, told me who he was. He came to my cubicle as well. He gave me his card. And then he 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 said, if you're going to be here, we're going to need to do a background check. So so my interaction was different. So but that our, our recollections are different. And I'm not saying your yours is right or wrong. My my experience was different. And and then my understanding was 
if we pass the background check, then we could be there that day when Jimmy Carter was coming through. And if we didn't pass the background check, then we weren't allowed to go to work and be in our own building, which is crazy. Yeah, and me, so right? when he was there, it was a well-oiled machine. They arrived. Uh, it worked like clockwork. They had uh, bomb-sniffing dogs. It was it was very buttoned up. And I will just say this because I have a family member that has a government-issued phone. They are extremely thorough and knowledgeable about the laws around communication. What family member has a government-issued phone? I will. My uh, my sister that lives in Portland has a government-issued phone. Wow! And so when you have a government-issued phone. Uh, there are, it's not the same as me and Don texting each other and you, you lose a text yeah. When you have a government issued phone. There are laws about communication. If you're, even if you're just a local police officer, if you've ever, if you know a police officer, many times they'll have two or three phones and you're like, what are you doing? It's like, well, if I'm on my official government police yep. phone, yeah. I am, can text these things here. If I'm just going to do a private text with someone I know, That's right. I have an entirely separate phone. It's my private phone that I pay for yep. because they you have to keep a record That's right. uh, of a government-issued phone. So for, for this to happen, I mean, this is the the... In my book, you know, the 79th most important detail that has emerged well, I was, in these January 6th issues. I was, I was issues, hoping that but, you, t- you would talk about the precision. When they got there, there were four vehicles. I won't say which one Jimmy Carter was in. I don't think he's traveling anymore. It's unbelievable that he's still alive and his wife. He wasn't traveling the vehicle that you think he'd be traveling in. They did have snipers on that day. They came the day before. They came with dogs, bomb-sniffing dogs. A dozen uh, officers came through. Uh, and agents, people from King County. The day of, there had to be 50 people there that were part of his security detail. When Jimmy Carter walked in, he had a Secret Service agent that stood right next to him called his body man. All, all the presidents do, and the living presidents all still do. And the job of that that body man, he is literally, and this is no joke, you guys, he is one foot away from the former president. And if anything were to happen to Jimmy Carter... His job is to step in, take a bullet, take the explosion, kick someone's ass, whatever it is that that he has to do. That's the body man's job. And then every door to the studio on top of the roof at Cairo, across the street, we're on talk about the Mexican food restaurant. There's some trees out front that had to be trimmed. There were Secret Service agents. And and again, this is just Jimmy. This is Jimmy Carter who wrote a book. But but ever since JFK was shot, and you think about in America today, there's a phone call that goes to the FBI every single day that somebody has been. Uh, kidnapped around the world. It's big business, and someone wants money for that. Think about if Jimmy Carter was kidnapped. Uh, think about if a if foreign operators were able to come and take Bill Clinton uh, to a hotel somewhere and say, "Hey, we got Bill Clinton, and we want twenty million dollars or whatever that is." So, or something much more nefarious than that. I, I my point is. They were so buttoned up. There was such precision. They were so professional. And then to hear on January 6th, oop, we lost a text message, and now it's leaking that, well, uh, maybe there's some stuff on there about infidelity, and maybe you'll, you'll, you'll see that these men and women weren't taking their jobs very seriously. And I get that. Like, I know firefighters and cops and all that. Like, I get like, – I, I understand – uh, the type of humor that you have to have sometimes when you're working those jobs and businesses. And probably a lot of times being a secret service agent is probably just damn boring, right? Because you're always waiting for something to happen. Well, something did happen. Something did happen. 
and they were unable to respond. Yeah, so I think there exists somewhere. I think they're going to be resurrected. Uh, I think it's in a cloud service somewhere. Uh, but yeah, this this is it, it will be interesting to see what becomes uncovered. And I think the finale, the season finale, if you will, of January sixth committee uh, should be exciting. And and kudos to Liz Cheney. I think that she has withstood tremendous pressure in her own party. Uh, to stand up for what she believes in. I'm very impressed with Liz Cheney. And she's kind of hot. She was never hot to me. And all of a sudden, I'm like, why am I? And I, and I was never attracted to Dick Cheney. When I look at her, I can see Dick Cheney, Cheney. And I'm like, why am I attracted to Liz Cheney? What's going on there? Are you attracted to Liz Cheney? No. <laughs> When Andrea Mickelson got divorced and needed to sell her house in Sammamish fast, she immediately thought of Ron and Don. I had heard on their podcast what they had done to help other clients that they worked with um, in terms of not just selling a home, but getting the home ready to sell. Andrea scheduled a Ron and Don sit down and she knew right away they were the right realtors for the job. Because I feel like they care about who I am as a person and not just a client. Andrea admits the house needed a ton of work to get ready to sell, but she didn't even know where to begin, who to call, where to spend, or how she could afford to pay for it. And as a busy nurse who also takes care of her father, she had no idea how she'd even find the time. I felt that they could take on all the stuff that I needed to have done and I could then just sit back and watch the repairs being done on my house. Ron and Don jumped in and took care of virtually everything. Like they do with all their clients, they analyzed what work needed to be done and then worked in consultation with Andrea, so she was totally on board. Then they brought in their team of experts and transformed a house in need of serious updating and repair into a beautiful modern home. I didn't have to hire out for anybody. I didn't have to go look for windows. I didn't have to go look for decking or carpet or paint. He just handled it all and I would just sit back and watch. With the house looking beautiful and ready to go, it was time to hit the market. And Andrea says she couldn't believe what happened almost immediately. And we got an offer within, I think the first 30 minutes then it went live. So the first offer was at least 200,000 over the, the asking price. And that was just unbelievable to me. And then the offers just kept going up. Andrea admits she was tempted to accept one of the first offers right away. But she says Ron and Don kept her calm, convinced her to wait until the day they set to review all of the offers, and assured her the numbers would just keep getting better. And boy, did they ever. It got $450,000 over the asking price better. It was pretty amazing, pretty exciting, um, and a total relief, honestly. And after the sale, Andrea says she got a huge bonus she never expected from her realtors. I consider them to be not just realtors, but friends and friends that I know that I um, will have forever now. Now, Andrea says she hopes she doesn't have to go through another home sale anytime soon. But if she does... I've already recommended them to friends, so I would 100% hire them again 
to sell my house, to buy another house, I would not go with anybody else but Ron and Don in the future. I'm Andrea Mickelson, and thanks to Ron and Don, I got way more for my door. You're listening to The Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network, ronanddon.com. All right, you guys. Hey, uh, welcome back to The Ron and Don Show. Again, if you need us, uh, just reach out. Yeah, ron at ronanddon.com uh, if you're thinking about being a buyer or seller in real estate. We've got a lot of different strategies that are successful, and, and uh, reach out to me. We can set up a Ron and Don sit-down. It's about a 30- to 40-minute Zoom call. You don't yeah. even have to leave your house, and we can see if we'd make a good team. Don't forget, nobody ever built wealth because they got a better interest rate. <laughs> they didn't. That's not how you build wealth. Like a lot of people build wealth with hard money and they pay a lot more money on their interest rate than you do when you go to the bank and they make real money with hard money. So anyway, uh, let's talk. Uh, let's get you on your journey. You may make a, a lot of money at your W-2 job right now, but if you really want to build wealth, let's look at what, look what's happening in the stock market right now. It is just freaking parked, right? It's not crashing, but it's parked. And especially if you have all your 401k money, it's invested in that. You're getting ready to maybe retire. You may want to go out and uh, purchase a piece of real estate, a duplex, a triplex, because what does that do? It provides two or three checks every month right in your mailbox. They call it mailbox money. They call it passive income. Passive income is never really passive, you guys. But let's talk about it. You can reach out to us, Ron and Dunn. Sitdown.com. We'll do a virtual uh, sit-down today. Netflix, are they becoming the modern-day Sears when it comes to broadcasting? Um, They've lost a million subscribers, and some people feel like... Uh, Netflix has lost its stride and maybe it didn't help this week that they're telling some people within Netflix that work there. Hey, if you don't like it here, leave, shut up. And we're seeing a lot of big tech companies do this right now. Uh, Elon Musk did a version of this. Hey, if you don't like it here, uh, get out. Maybe, uh, you shouldn't be working for our company. Uh, and there are a lot of people that have gotten out. And now they're looking around and going, ooh, government money uh, dried up. I better get back in, right? Anyway, what's your thoughts on uh, what's happening in Netflix right well, now? Well, there's two different storylines on Netflix. The one about the engineers I, I found really interesting, and it was around the Dave Chappelle special that was controversial. Netflix went out of its way to tell the tech engineers to attract programming uh, that they were different. And for the first, I don't know, decade of Netflix, it was the engineering that was the most important because you needed to figure out how do you stream this content on all these different devices? People have phones, they have tablets, they have televisions, like everybody has different internet providers. How do we let people choose these shows and have it look good and sound good Mm. across so many different devices, so many different TVs, so much different technology around the world? And so it was the engineers that were the stars. So Netflix came out with this big manifesto and they said, here's what we're going to do. Your opinion matters. In most tech firms, you're given the spec It told, this is what we need. Go make it. We don't want to hear your thoughts. This is the Steve Jobs model. I don't want to know your name. 
Just make the iPhone work. And I won't make you sit in a bunch of... See, and I like that. Don't know my name, and I don't have to sit in a bunch of meetings. Right. That works. Here, here's your job. Yeah. Make the iPhone work, Great. and just do your job. Yeah. And so Netflix came along and was like, we're going to be different. We want... You, we're going to value your opinion on not just the project you're working on, but about Netflix as a company. So they created this internal document where you, as an employee, you could go out there and voice your opinion, and they wanted you to be brutally honest. Yeah. And the thing that was amazing is the CEO and founder, Reed Hastings, he would respond. Mm. So you could be a low-level programmer working on some project, and you could say, I have an issue with Netflix about this. It could be hiring. It could be inclusion. It could be salaries. Whatever your particular thing was, you could put it on the, in this portal, and you might hear back from the CEO within 24 to 48 hours. He would respond to that. So that was the culture for years and years and years. Then they, they kind of cracked the code on the, on the hardware side, on the engineering side. And so then the next big hurdle, as other platforms became viable, Disney Plus and Paramount and Peacock and Apple TV, and you have all these on and on and on, Hulu, all these other things, now content became king. Because back in the day, you had to be on Netflix. Uh, Amazon Prime was another one that came on strong. So they were way out ahead of the curve. They had, if you remember, all the Disney product used to be on Netflix. Yeah, uh, right. Seinfeld used to be on Netflix. And Disney's kicking the Office right was on Netflix. All the shows were on Netflix because it was the biggest game in town. So now content is king, and Netflix is under the gun to get to produce hits. And so when the Dave Chappelle show came out, the this the latest um, stand up show. His previous stand-up concert was the most watched comedy special in Netflix history. And so they they paid around $20 million for it, and they thought that the membership spike that they saw around these comedy shows more than paid for that. And so then they were very excited from the programming side for this follow-up to this show. It came out. There was some controversy around uh, the trans jokes that he made in there. And so there was an uproar within Netflix on this portal of saying, hey, Reed, answer our questions around uh, inclusion, around uh, trans rights, and all of these different questions happened. And there was radio silence. So he used to jump in there and answer these things. He now didn't answer it anymore. And so this sort of escalator was like, hey, dude, what the hell? Uh, you made a big deal and you have this big PowerPoint presentation about how Netflix is a different company and that you care about what we think. And a new co-CEO came in who basically his answer, if you read between the lines is, Hey, engineers, shut up, go make your engineering thing. We don't care about your content ideas. I don't want to know about your content ideas. Um, the content people will be in charge of the content. You be in charge of whatever your project is, period. And if you don't like that, here's the door. Um, that has sent some shockwaves through Netflix. And I see both sides of it. If, if, you've, if you have framed yourself up as we're different and your opinion matters until it doesn't, well, that's disingenuous to what you promised me. You know, they had uh, a lot of these talented programmers. You could go work for any tech company. And so tech companies were really trying to differentiate themselves. If you're good enough to program at Netflix, you're probably good enough to program at Google or at Apple or at Facebook or at F5 or any Microsoft. Uh, and so 
they would do the tech companies were trying to differentiate themselves. And so Netflix said, your opinion matters and we're going to pay you a lot. And so now I, I can feel why they feel betrayed where it's like, I chose you because you sold me on me having a say in the workplace environment in the values of the company. And now you're saying that, that that's not there anymore. I also feel for the programming side because they were way out ahead of the curve. And in one Facebook or I mean, Netflix executive in their last earnings call said, we kind of need to hit a month to keep our user base engaged. That's hard. It's hard to come up with a hit a month. Like you, you can't produce a whole season of stranger things in a month. Um, you can't, you know, not everything is going to be Ozark. So you have Ozark, you have Stranger, these these shows that break through. And Ozark's over. Yeah, Ozark is over. A lot of the, a lot of, the, a lot of these Bridgerton, shows, I think they're trying the story, to make another season. The storylines are ending or they're over. And so and they'll consider something like Iron Chef as a hit uh, when it comes out. You know, it's engaging a, a, a significant number of people. So it, it is hard to generate a quote-unquote hit a month. That's good. Um, uh, and so I get where the programming says – Hey, we're spending twenty billion dollars a year to develop content. Yeah, so that's hard. What are you? What are you streaming right now? What are you streaming? Uh, what what platforms? Yeah, um, I am going through Stranger Things. I just heard an interview with Chris Pratt. He has a new show on Amazon Prime about being uh, in SEAL Team Seven mm-hmm. and having a massive head injury. He optioned this book from a guy he met that was in the SEALs when he worked on zero dark 30 mm-hmm. and so that show I'm, I'm two episodes in seeing if that if i'm going to make it through the rest of that one it's it's pretty interesting um and then i i do watch youtube a lot as well what what, what about you i'm waiting for the next episode of or the next season of uh ted lasso that's yeah. one of my favorite what, what, what I, just what do i do most of the time i have certain podcasts i like and i, I share those podcasts i rarely listen to the radio unless there's a sporting event that i want to hear i'm listening to a lot more music um, and if I'm watching video, I have to say like, I'll, I'll just Facebook knows what I like. They know the videos that I like. So I love the clips. For, for instance, I learned a lot, uh, from Joe Rogan's podcast, but by watching the video, uh, and some pretty compelling things I've, I've learned from him. Uh, and I try to, to watch people that I don't always agree with. Some people are like, Oh my God, you're watching Joe Rogan. You remember? Well, yeah, because because he thinks differently than I do, and 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 I'm compelled by uh, what he thinks about specific things, even though I don't agree. Uh, I feel challenged by, it, so I like that. Uh, Howard Stern is still great. So when you get little two, three, five minutes uh, videos, and so so and instead of watching really long form movies, because the long form, I sit down with my son, I got to watch an Avenger movie. I mean, it's it it's like three hours in a jet for me. It's, it, it's in, in a, in a lot of times I've already seen these movies now and I know the storylines and he just loves them. Uh, I will sit down there and I will watch it with him cause I love him and he wants me to watch it with him. But it, 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 it's painful to watch Iron Man for the 17th time. Uh, so I can't wait to get away from the TV and like we're sitting here with, there's a TV on in, in, in my studio I, I don't know if that TV's ever. Have you ever seen that TV turned on? I don't know that it's hooked. I don't know. I don't even. I've, I don't think I've ever turned it on. I have one in my bedroom. Never turned it on. Uh, I have one downstairs in primary. My son uses that to watch games and what and, and whatnot. I don't. I don't. 
watch MSNBC ever since we left terrestrial radio. I don't watch any of those shows, all those opinion shows, because uh, I know what's behind them, and it's infotainment, and it's not really the news. It's just people dressed up to look like news people. Uh, and it's a big, big problem with, with, with what's happening in our culture right now. And for people that sit home and watch that incessantly, and they start spinning out on that. Uh, so, yeah, I just... the the. The screen is not important to me. We have Disney Plus because my son and I like to watch Bear Grylls. Uh, I love that show a lot. Uh, he does some pretty extraordinary things. So um, so we have that. I think we have Paramount because we like watching. We don't. Not we. I like watching uh, Yellowstone. And then I we're, we have Netflix. But I have to say, I'm kind of at a point where I'm ready to cut the cord on Netflix, too. And it's nothing personal or, or political. It's just that I, I don't find a lot of things on their platform that I'm interested in or, or that my son's interested in. So the other thing that Netflix is doing, and this will be interesting to see how it shakes out, is they are cracking down on, on password sharers. Yeah. So if you have been co-opting someone else's password, they have decided they're running a, a pilot program in a couple of Latin American countries first. Uh, to make sure the technology works, and then they are cracking down. So they're going to crack down on people in Latin America before they crack down Correct. on us. Just to see, make sure they're, they're the guinea pigs. Well, the thing is, you start cracking down on people. like like what what, And I know what happens. Like in all my Airbnbs, people come in, and they use the TV as a monitor, and they hook up all their own stuff. And I always know when somebody, especially that understands tech and is probably below the age of 35 has been there. Because a lot of times you go in and, and all the cords and cables are disconnected and they don't replug them back in. And then I'll have someone that's like 60 years old and they go in, TV's not working. So, and it, it's because the cables have, have been disconnected. But I think, I, I think when it comes to the way that we consume uh, video and audio and media, uh, I think the, the thing that's really going to hurt uh, the Netflix of the world is a lot of us aren't sitting at home anymore. We want to be out and about. We want to be doing stuff. We want to be in restaurants. We want to be in parks. We're going to be at the be Kenny traveling. Chesney show. What's that? We're going to be at the Kenny Chesney show. Yeah, or if, if, if or you want to watch media in that bite size, yeah, I want to watch five minutes of, of the Howard Stern show on, on my Facebook uh, video watch. So anyway, Hey, you guys don't go anywhere. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, you guys, Ron and Don with Mitch, not loans. This just happened yesterday. We closed on a house. This house is listed for around one, two, five. We had to go to one, seven, something, something to beat a cash offer and to land this house. We had to go over one, seven, in the middle of this negotiation, our buyer lost their financing, and it wasn't their fault. Mitch steps in, saves the day. We beat a cash offer. We land the house, right? We absolutely did, and that felt great for them. They had to switch financers mid-process, mid and we jumped in and helped, and we closed quick. Um, you know, when you're going against a cash offer, a lot of people want to close in 15, 21 days, whatever it is. Uh, Ron and Don asked, how quick can we close? And we end up 
able to close in time to beat a cash offer. Yeah, and that's the thing I like about you, Mitch, is if, if someone has a big bank loan uh, out of North Carolina, they're not answering their phone on a Saturday when we're putting this offer together. You picked up your phone. You got me that pre-approval. We got the deal done. Closed that yesterday. If you want Mitch to be on your team like he was on this deal, go to Mitch.loans right now. One half percent of your loan value can come back to you in various forms. Mitch will explain that to you. Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. If you need Ron and I, uh, this is how you can reach out. Yeah, you can email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com. And the reason why is that you're saying, hey, I want to get in the real estate game. Either I have a, a house, a condo that I want to sell and uh, do a different chapter in my life, or I've been waiting to buy, and I keep hearing you guys saying now's a good time to buy. So let's jump in, partner up, have that Zoom meeting, and and uh, help you reach your goals. Yeah. Hey, article Ron and I uh, both just read, it's about the fact that what's more important to you as we get a little older, a bigger paycheck or watching more sunsets. What's more important to you? Um, I'm definitely at the phase where it would be watching more, not not the metaphorical watching more sunsets. I'm, I'm going through a series of, of lectures right now on an app that I have on this thing about time, time management. And, and I have to admit, I became bought into that whole productivity cult in a sense uh, of, you know, the Tim Ferriss for the, you know, four hour work week. And you, you become like, I'm going to do zero inbox and I'm going to do these elaborate morning routines and get super productive and, you know, do all of these things to where it, it really lost its meaning in the sense of like why you were doing that. And so this thing that I'm listening to is talking about, um, there's this illusion that you have that someday you'll get so efficient or be able to bang out all of these things that your life is really going to begin. Like, oh, my life's really going to begin when I when my kid gets out of out of high school, or my life's really going to begin when I retire. My life's really going to begin at some point in the future. I'm going to be able to really begin my life and and do all of these things that I have fantasize about and his message is that is that's just an illusion like your life is happening right now and that if you are constantly chasing productivity or the career path or a promotion or just money in the abstract um, that maybe that is misguided yeah but on the other hand inflation at 9.1 percent i was pouring a driveway early this morning at 7 a.m with some of my crew uh, the boys from Superior Concrete, big shout out to them out of Monroe. Love those guys. And I was talking to them about uh, politics, about church, about families, about things they cared about, about working out. Uh, and then we just started talking about the price of construction, what it costs for a cement mixer full of concrete. Then you have to bring a pump truck out to pump it. And then it took eight guys out there, eight of us out there today, pouring this driveway. And all eight guys had to come from somewhere. And most of the people in the trades here in the city can't afford to live in the city or they don't want to live in the city. They just don't. Like, these guys don't. They could afford to live. They don't want to. But they're driving all the way from Monroe, right? And sometimes, as a city dweller, I forget about they have these big trucks 
and you think about their backhoe and how much money it costs to run that thing and insurance and everything. And then you think about, I mean, just, just our business alone. We've had tens of thousands of dollars of tools stolen. Uh, we've had our dump truck stolen. One of our dump trucks, the evening news kept calling me and they wanted to put it on the evening news. And, and my partner is just like, no, nah, let's just get over it. Let's just move forward. Because then what's going to happen is now we're broadcasting to the rest of the world that we have another new dump truck or whatever it is at this particular job site. And and it just the cost, of if you get on an airplane right now, my mom just flew here from New Mexico. It's a two-hour flight. It was $1,200 because of the cost of fuel. So my point is, boy, it's, it, it's one thing to say that you really want to watch a lot more sunsets. But if you have a family and you have kids, I spent $7,200 on camps for my son this summer. Seven, just for a couple months of camp. Um, and it's not like the camps are real elaborate. They're just really expensive. So life is very expensive. Inflation is out of control. And I love what people say about they're wanting to watch more sunsets. But watching more sunsets comes with a cost. And what is that cost going to be? And are you willing to pay the price? And if you're willing to pay the price, uh, part of that price is working your ass off. So I agree with Elon Musk. Like he says, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're probably probably not going to have a lot of vacations when you're trying to figure out what you're going to do in this world. Uh, Vacations maybe are for later on. Where I don't agree with folks like my grandparents, for instance, you know, later on in life, they had saved a lot of their money to do a lot of things that they wanted to do. And then my grandfather got sick. Uh, I do like this movement. And I see it in, there's a young man staying in my Airbnb downstairs right now. I think he's from South Carolina. I do like this movement where if, if you have skills to work from your laptop, that really you can experience the world and work and bring in revenue and finance your lifestyle and have a freaking great time. So I don't think it has to be either or. I think you can do both. And like the morning routines, I still do a morning routine. It's very valuable and important to me. But I get what you're saying. Like like the one guy who's selling his fifth book now on morning meditation. And I think he's up to like 26 hours of just to see if he can keep going of morning meditation. He's, he, he meditates more in the morning than there are hours in the day. Uh, there's a lot of gurus and people out there selling books and, and telling you what you should be doing in the morning and drinking a glass of water with lemon in it the first thing you get up because you're dehydrated all night. And, and, and then the four things you're supposed to say and the book you're supposed to read and the thing you're supposed to write down. And then the next thing you know, it's time to eat lunch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's important to do both. And we have to understand to see those sunsets what sunsets do you want to see? And at what price is that sunset going to cost? And I'll just leave it here. You, 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 I, I, I think the message for me is, and, and I like what you just said, Ron, is like my son and I went to New York City this year. We didn't talk about it. In the past, it'd be something we talked about. We went. We went to, you know, I went and, and became a certified diver. Didn't talk about it. We went to Maui and spent New Year's there. I'm going back in, in November to do... Uh, uh, a little bike race there and I have a friend of mine who is retiring. So we're going to, to celebrate uh, his retirement. You and I, you went to Costa Rica this year. We're, we're, we're planning a, a, a diving trip to go somewhere and dive. I, I, I think along the way life can get so busy and sometimes so meaningless in all the busyness that, that we forget uh, 
if somebody uh, says, hey, do you want to go on a boat ride this afternoon? It used to be I would come up with all, yeah, I want to go on a boat ride this afternoon. I'm going to figure out a way to go on that boat ride, and I haven't always done that. I understand now that that I am closer to the end than I am to the beginning, and hopefully there's still a lot left for me, and I don't know if there will be. My my little sister passed when she was 43 of ALS. So so there's a message in that, right? There's a message in that of uh, time. It may be the most valuable commodity, but but you do have to have some cash along the way too. So. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is a balance. And I think uh, what I was saying didn't presuppose that you don't make a living. Yeah. Like I, I think you do work hard, have a work ethic, all of that stuff, but try and when you're making the choices, recognize the choice that you're making. Yeah, like, and, 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 and I'll just just add to that. That's one of the reasons I, I went to the Kenny Chesney show the other night. You, usually I would be, I really want to go see Kenny Chesney, but, and then I'd have all these things in the way. And it's like, I'm going to remove those obstacles. I'm going to go because this is something that I really want to do. Uh, and I'm still lit up with a lot of joy from going. And, the, and that concert was almost a week ago. So anyway, uh, hey, you guys, thanks for stopping by the Ron and Don show. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, uh, you can reach out to us if you want to get in touch with us. Maybe you're considering buying some real estate, selling some real estate, a 1031 exchange. Maybe you're thinking about buying a multifamily duplex or triplex. Uh, that's something that we can help you with. Yeah, email me, ron at ronanddon.com or go to the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. We can do a sit down with you today. All right, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. Olay! On the Ron and Don. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet. And we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.